This podcast contains graphic and explicit content, as well as all of the spoilers a movie has to offer. Listener discretion is advised. Hi friends! Welcome back to So Here's the Problem With That, where we watch every sci-fi movie ever made and tell you what's wrong with their sci and their fi. My name is Emily, and I'm a movie fan. And my name is Neil, and I'm a PhD candidate in high-energy experiment. Neil! Emily! It's been days since I've seen you. Incorrect, but continue. (laughs) Neil, when we last left off, we we talked at length about how much I love the cast of this movie. (laughs) Uh, You, yeah, we really did, actually. I think we talked for a whole 45 minutes about the cast. Probably. It's almost as long as I talked about the cast of Titan A.E., I'm kind of here for it, though. I don't know. I'm super Like, here for if it. I get to nerd out, you get to nerd out. And your nerd out was slightly on the other side, where you mentioned just once or twice, you kept it together. Yeah. How much you hate this movie. I... Or how much you love the book, I should say. I didn't That's... I didn't want to drag it into this. I didn't want to drag it into the science corner, but I am a huge fan of... I'm a huge fan of the book, Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of the author, in terms of their personal beliefs it's kind of a dick uh yeah kind of a sh- kind of a shit bag mm-hmm. kind of a, kind of a giant bag of shit i did i did try to leave that out of my out of the science corner as much as possible i will try to leave it out of most of the movie i'm going to ask you at the very yeah, end. yeah with I the yeah yeah, yeah yeah so when we get there i'll just unload all of it so yeah. I'll, I'll try and keep the movie for where it's at yep we got a little science question here and there that's great also science corner did run quite a bit longer than i was anticipating for how little science is actually in this movie <laughs> it's interesting stuff though sometimes it just happens and we got to talk about how the deep space is not the same as deep ocean. We so. also got to talk about uh, how you can maybe stop aging. Stop aging and uh, southern lights. So we covered a gamut. We we did we did cover quite a spectrum. So ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> you nerd. Oh god, that was beautiful. Got him. Okay, so Neil, yes. should we jump into this movie? Let's review the movie with no further ado. Opening credits. There is a quote that I... You probably know the quote better than I do. I couldn't write it down fast enough. But there's a quote from A.E. Wiggin. Ah, see what they did there. I sure do. Uh, it says something to the effect of, to in, in order to destroy your enemy, you must know your enemy, and to know your enemy means you love your enemy. Am I close? I mean, yes, but he phrases it... A slightly different, oh. which which I think goes more along the, uh, which goes more along the lines of like, to to fully understand your enemy, uh, you begin to love them. Yes, and at that point you destroy them. Yeah, something along. So right off the bat, heavy-handed. It's very heavy-handed. And I am super concerned for the mental well-being of this child. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, this is not great. Uh, Fun fact in the book, he's about seven when he gets to this point. And in this movie, I would say he's 13. Yeah, he's like 13, 14. Which is honestly more realistic than I expected. At the end of Ender's Game, he's 13. Okay. Okay. There we go. Yep. So, yeah, I guess the timeline's a little uh, truncated then. Well, yeah. 
It's one of my biggest complaints about the movie. Anyway, I said I wouldn't do this. We will get to it. Okay, so there's a voiceover. Uh, says that Formix, a alien race, attacked the Earth. And we see a video of just the sky is filled with little fighter jets and Formic fighters, you know, roughly the same size, and then giant motherships. And it looked a little bit like, and I think I, I mentioned this during Armageddon, but it looked a little bit like... In the reboot Star Trek movie with Chris Pine, the first one, yep. the uh, drill ship that Eric Bana pilots, um, it looks kind of like that, where it's got like a kind of a body and long spikies, that. I agree. Um, which I, I feel like we kind of see that uh, throughout a couple movies. It's just like an interesting theme. Yeah, people like to people like to be like, Ooh, not human. Let's make it spiky yeah. and all kinds of impractical engineering features. This is very fair. Uh, but yeah, so there's several of these larger ships, and then we see he's mentioning there was a great hero that arose. They talk about this fucking hero shit. Man, like, they suck this guy's dick on air constantly. Literally the entire movie, they're like, he's the greatest human being that's ever lived. And we're like, how about you just calm the fuck down? Also, they repeatedly call him a hero. Yep. And for those of you who, who are potentially unaware, hero is a term that is often reserved for people who are dead. That's very fair. He might be dead. He's dead as far as everyone in this film yeah, is he is, he is. He is dead to the world. Because they say that this hero, Mazer Rackham. Rackham, he flew his plane into one of these motherships and it shattered. This ship was unprepared for a kamikaze hit. It just absolutely broke apart. And that is how Mazer Rackham saved the world and the Formics were defeated. And that was 50 years ago. And that was 50 years ago. I have so many thoughts about the overarching themes of this story. Yeah. We'll get to it probably around the same time that you complain about the differences between the book and the movie. Uh-huh. So, they uh, they say that humans have been preparing for the Formics to come back. It's only a matter of time. They're going to come back, and we are going to beat them. Uh, children have been training through violent video games to... Defeat the Formix. So, without getting too deep into how much you hate this movie. Yes. Can you play, explain just a tiny bit about why children? Yes. So, the first reason is that children are easy to manipulate. Oh. Which is a fucking goddamn shame. God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I don't think you were expecting that I one. sure wasn't, but you're not wrong. Yeah, I know. And uh, the other thing is that... Children are remarkably good at learning if they are exposed to something early enough. Right. And which is why six years old. Which is why in you know, in the book, like Ender is six when he is going through like his like strategy school and like like playing video strategy games and, and fucking people up and mm -hmm. doing a good job of it. Yeah. And uh, the yeah, that that that's kind of mostly it. Is that they're like easy to manipulate, and so that there won't be so much questioning authority for morality's sake. Yes, specifically, 
Because you'll just listen to what you're told. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Darker than I was expecting, but not wholly unexpected. Wait until we get to the differences between the book and the movie. Uh, I'm so excited. Okay, so uh, like I said, children are being trained basically through these video games of defeating um, the enemy with, you know, your little digital airplane against their little digital airplane. They're being taught strategy. Taught strategy. And they can compete against each other. So Ender is playing against a, a kind of a bigger boy in one of the classes, and Ender wins. And the bigger boy was not pleased with this. He said Ender was cheating, and it's... But whatever, you know, what are you gonna do to me? me? It's fine. Then, Harrison Ford plays Major Graf? Yes. So, Major Graf. And then Viola Davis, God bless, plays... Uh, I want to say Major Anderson. Is that something right? I've got it up here. I can look at it. I think it's underneath... She plays Major it's Anderson. It's Colonel Graf. And is Colonel, Colonel Graf. Graf. Okay. I was going to say the... the They're different, yeah. The power dynamic is a little different. So Graf, Colonel Graf and Major Anderson, they're talking about Ender being capital T, capital O, the one. There's always one in every movie. He's Call him Neo. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so Ender, and they're they're going to test him. So Ender's called to the infirmary. He asks if he... I think he asks if... Like, is he in trouble? Is he out of the program? Because they're at a school to hopefully go graduate on to battle school, hopefully go on to command school, hopefully save the world. Like, that's the school that he's in right now. Yep. And he's like, am I off the program? Like, those fucking kids started it. It's not my fault. What is Things like that. Um, They strap him down to a table and they pull a medallion out of his neck that is wrapped around his spinal cord. Like, I don't truly understand what's happening. They don't explain so much. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you for a lot of clarification and I apologize. No, that's okay. I mean, you got it You got it right. It's it's a monitoring device that they use to be able to like see through the eyes of the children that they are training, have a good understanding of what they're seeing, what they're thinking sometimes, kind of their emotional well-being, mm-hmm. like a lot of physical traits about them. It's just like a very much so like a, we are, we are trying to breed a, like, super soldier genius, and we need all of the information we can possibly get to do it. Yes. That is a lot. So Ender is essentially kicked out of school, and, um, and, well, not, not even yet. So he, his medallion is removed, and the, as he's walking down the hallway, I assume, to go pack his stuff. I truly don't know what he's doing. But he's walking down the hallway, and the bear boy and his friends come up, and they're like, not so tough now, are you? You don't have your, f- is it a medallion? Does, do they have a name? Does it matter? I think they called it the chip, or the like, chip? whatever. Cool. Uh, you don't got your thing now. You're kicked out of school. Who's a fucking punk now? Let's rematch. And Ender's like, I really don't want to. I'm having kind of a bad day. This was all I wanted my entire life, and now I'm kicked out. But he goes into this classroom with the bigger kid. Well, they and, drag him well, in Well, that's very, that's much more accurate. They drag him into this classroom. Ender fights back to protect himself, and he beats the snot out of this bigger kid. Like, oh, yeah. beats him not to death. He's not dead, but he's not doing great. Oh, he's not going to fight Ender ever again. No, that's the whole point. Oh, and I have... We'll get to it, but that's the whole point. Anderson and Graf are watching somehow. They don't have 
his chip, but they've got other chips. They're watching, and Harrison Ford acting his little geriatric ass off. He's so pleased. He's so happy. Um, I say this as a deep lover of Harrison Ford, but the man has not acted since 1987. Um, it's a damn shame. So he's back home. Um, that school was away from home. It's not one of, you know, those Americanized schools where you go to school and go home. No, they haven't seen him in months, years, possibly. Who knows? It's been a long time. So he's talking to his sister in the room and he's like trying to process like I wasn't good enough. And he, he says, and this will come up later, but he says, I'm a third and it wasn't supposed to be like this. And, and then their older brother, Peter, 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 yes, his name is Peter, comes up and he's like, Fuck you. You thought you were so much better than me, and you couldn't even hack it, and what's even your point? And then he does something that I'm gonna need just a little bit of context around, Neil. Sure. He tells Ender to put on a mask of an alien mask. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like a Formic, but maybe it's more like it puts on a Formic mask. Yeah. It's one of it's a it's a drone mask. A drone mask? Okay. Uh and then Peter beats the snot out of Ender. Uh Uh-huh. Almost chokes him to death. Yeah. What's going on there? What's, uh, what's happening? Okay, so a little backstory and a little origin story for Ender because it, I mean, the next obvious question is like, why is he a third? Yes. Doesn't make any sense. No. Yeah, so, okay. <clears throat> so it turns out Peter's the oldest. Uh, so, so also maybe I'll start with the fact that like the world is under martial law. Yes, that's a big thing I didn't even touch on. By the, by this, this organization called the International Federation. And... Uh, under this martial law, you are allowed two children. No more, no less. Oh, no less. No less. Oh, shit. Yep. Uh, you effectively have to have two children uh, because they, they can't have the human race, like, declining in population. And they very strictly control, like, who has kids and when. Oh. So they have their first kid. Peter starts to go through battle, like, like training at a very young age. Do all children go through battle school? Okay. They all, they all go through some sort of training for this. The International Federation is like, holy shit, this kid's a genius. And then he gets a little bit older. And he starts just being like, mm, I can get anything I want if I just use violence. So he starts, like, getting in a lot of trouble, beating the shit out of people, like, extorting people, blackmailing them, doing all kinds of really fucking wild shit for an infant. Okay? So he gets kicked out of battle school because he was too violent. Okay, next kid comes along. It's a bold fucking statement because Graf is only looking for violence. The right amount of violence. Yeah. The necessary kind. (laughs) Next kid comes along. Valentine. Uh, Valentine is... Maybe even smarter than Peter was. Like, successfully goes through battle school, but is too empathetic. Can't, like, they they end up, like, kicking her out because she, she, like, cannot resort to violence even when whoever is in charge deems that it is necessary. So here's the weird part. Remember how I said you could only have two kids? No more, no less. The International Federation saw what kind of geniuses the first two kids were and was like, hmm. if their personalities balanced out somehow, that would be maybe the one. How lucky are they that that's exactly what happened? So they commission a third child Jesus. from this family. When his, so at, at one point in the movie, his mom uh, 
tells tells Ender like we had to apply to have you. That is a that is a lie. The International the Federation commissioned a child Ooh, from them. That's so fucked up. It's really <laughs> fucked up. Uh, okay, there you go. I love that. Okay, but uh, the mask is that in the book? Why is he beating yeah. him out? With yeah, the because mask? this like cowboys and cowboys and aliens. Aliens. Uh, like right, like he he's just. I don't know, cops and robbers, whatever. Like, okay. whatever stupid shit kids do. It sure looked like uh, an excuse to get him to put on a dumb mask and choke him to death. That's literally all it was. Cool. Because cool, that's cool. who Peter is. Excellent. Uh-huh. Okay, that's disturbing. It only gets worse in the books. Good! Oh, I'm so excited! Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so, uh, Peter does not kill Ender. Good. Great. Uh, but he's very upset. He's very upset because it was supposed to be... Peter was supposed to be the golden child. He's supposed to be the one to go to bow school and save the world. But he didn't. So that night at dinner, uh, Graf and Anderson come to the house. And they're like, hey, so about that fight at school? And Ender's like, well, I mean, I didn't start it. And her, his parents... His dad wants him to go to battle school so bad. He is clearly so disappointed in Ender that he got flunked out or that he was kicked out that it takes his mother basically forcing him to say, say something nice to your child for him to say, it is what it is. (laughs) Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, but so they ask about the fight and... Ender said that he beat this kid so badly that he wanted to not only end the fight, but prevent all future fights. Yeah. Like, like this is why he beat him so badly. Yes. And that's literally exactly what they wanted to hear. Oh, that's what Graf was fucking praying for. Yes. So... Counting his rosary beads in the car. Uh, please, Jesus. Please, sweet eight pound, nine ounce baby Jesus. Give me a killer who's 13 years old. Exactly what he said. Wow. Word for word. It's in the special features. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking dumb. Um, okay, so uh, Graf convinces Ender he's going to go to battle school. I'm assuming the family's elated. We barely ever see them again. Yes. I don't think we ever see Peter. No, we never see Peter again. We never see the... Uh, we do... We see the mother. Very briefly like see one of the parents again. 30 seconds. That less. Yeah, less. It is not long. Um, I'm sure she's a very fine mother, but... Mm, no? No. Good, good. Then I feel less bad about her not seeing her son. Yeah. Um, there's a voiceover that explains basically what, uh, uh, Neil just explained, that Valentine's too kind-hearted, Peter is too quick for violence, and they needed someone in the middle. Hey, look! Ender Wigan! Um, the- he gets on the ship that's gonna go to battle school. He sees this group of other cadets, so other kids who are... I'm sure at least as talented as Ender Wigan. That's not true. He's he's the one. There's no getting around it. Neil? Yes. Neil. Yes. Hey, Neil. Hey, what's up? I have a science question for you. I got a science answer for you. So the kids do not wear helmets at takeoff. No, they don't. And we've discussed in previous episodes, that's dumb. For the most part. Yeah. Probably not stellar. No, yeah, yeah, dumb. Um, Generally dumb. How thick... What a ship's walls need to be during takeoff so that you wouldn't need a helmet. Is is there a ship so thick? Fun fact. With two C's. Ooh. 
it has nothing to do with how thick the ship is. Oh shit! Okay, well I yeah. definitely misread that situation. Uh huh. The uh, so I I went and looked this up. Mm. I was like, hey, why do astronauts wear helmets? Yes. And it's because in the 80s or something like that, 70s, somewhere in there, there was a there was a Russian uh, cosmonaut uh, crew that went to space. They didn't have helmets on. The cab that was designed for the, the ship that they were on was too small for three people to fit in the cab with all of their gear on. Oh, shit. That sounds like a design flaw. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So everything went pretty spectacularly until re-entry. Mm. Uh, at which point a valve failed and there was no more atmosphere in the cab and all of the crew suffocated to death. Oh, no. Yeah. So astronauts wear helmets during takeoff and during reentry to mitigate disaster. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. Not the answer I expected. Uh-huh. I mean, that's good to know. It is good to know. So if something goes terribly wrong, they have a little atmosphere around their face. They sure do. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah, it's so that if it's so that if for some reason all hell breaks loose. Yeah. At least you'll be able to breathe, hopefully. Hopefully. Okay. Um, and it's well, it's mostly good. just a safety feature. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Preventative maintenance, you might call it. So clearly... Either these children are never coming back, or... Or, here's my hypothesis on why this is. I'm ready. We have effectively made it 50 years into the future, where space travel is a regular thing. Yes. And has become so important and so regular that people have put in all of the money, all of the time, all the design resources to make sure that your spaceships are effectively foolproof. Which is unsinkable. really important. Yes. Well, I mean, not, not necessarily unsinkable, right? Like, if uh, you fucking shoot it in space, like, you're toast, right? But, but a helmet's not going to save you, then. But also, if all you're doing is going from the surface of Earth to a fucking space station, like, I, it, it seems reasonable to me that if there was a war that got started in space, one of the first things that we'd be fucking doing is figuring out how do we get to space safer and faster. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I mean, that's kind of seems what they're doing. Is that, that they're sense. doing it pretty safely, very quickly. I accept. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Also, as I mentioned in the last episode, during the takeoff of this uh, rocket, yes. they do show that all of the exhaust is being vented into a field of solar panels. I sure did not even register that. That's so fucking, fucking funny. Stupid. Don't do this. No. No. That's real dumb. Okay. Um, I will say that this scene of them taking off, I think I was distracted by how bad the CG was yeah. in them taking off. And when they're up in space and they're floating, it's just them raising their arms. I'm like, cool. Uh -huh. You fucking, what'd we say? $160 million or oh, whatever? Oh, yeah. Yeah, also like, so that, that does technically happen. Like your arms will raise. It looked dumb, but it it looks it looks deliberate. It looks yes. like the the actors are just like like very carefully like lifting yes. their arms to make it look like they're in space. Yes. It's it's real dumb. So Graf floats up and he's talking to the kids and Ender laughs and he says, "What's so funny, Wigan?" He's like, "Well, you're horizontal, 
It's just funny because when there's no gravity, there's no up or down. So you are up and down. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but... And then Graf says that Ender is the only one on this ship who matters. He's the smartest of the bunch, and he puts a target on his back. He basically will force the other kids to hate him. And that's not cool. Well, it's exactly what Graf wants. He get Graf definitely gets everything that he wants. Throughout the whole movie. There's like one hiccup that I can think of, but basically he comes out on top and it makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. So angry. Things are looking graph. Yeah, everything's coming up graph. Exactly. Um, so they're on this cool fucking spaceship for Battle School. The bat- Battle School is on a sp- space station. Yeah. And it's fucking tits looking. Um, it's got this... It's The ends are spinning uh-huh. for um, anti... No, for gravity, not yes. anti-gravity. Yes. The ends are spinning. And so it's got this big kind of bulbous glass piece in the middle uh-huh and it looks cool and and oh and it's got solar uh uh wings is that what i'm looking for solar panels yeah just like solar yeah yeah it looks do you have any thoughts critiques on the design of this spaceship let me go find them i think i wrote something fun <laughs> um oh i said it's neat <laughs> You got me. You got me, Neil. <laughs> it's pretty neat. Yep. Yeah, it's cool looking, right? It's got rotating bits for the gravity. It's got non-rotating bits for the what we'll find out. And uh, I don't know, it seems solid. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, uh, there are some design uh, flaws that okay. uh, w- that I'll talk about in a little bit. But. Okay. Uh, that's fucking amazing. Uh, Graf says to uh, Anderson, Viola is up there with him, uh, says that... Ender's isolation must never be broken. He must never think that anyone can help him, which is super fucked up. And I don't really understand his thought process because he needs a team around him to be able to accomplish what he does. Yeah, the idea is I think that Graf doesn't want him to make friends. Like, he doesn't want... But you have to... You don't have to make friends, but you have to have close connection and trust if you're going to go through the shit that they're going to go through. Yeah, and like that they 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 do that. They develop that. They do, and I would say they're also friends. So I, like, yeah, he does end up making friends. So this is where Graf was fucking wrong. Graf was and didn't wrong. get his way. He was wrong. Ender found a way. Yeah. Uh cuz he's so damn smart. Uh it, we are introduced to Sergeant James Dapp, and I love him. I hate how shallow this character is. I Except that, I accept that. Because he seems like a neat character if we got to know him more. But just the little bit that we got in this opening scene, I love him. He's, uh, he's, they're, um, I don't want to call him a den mother, but he's, uh, they're commanding officer? Not commanding officer. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't know, drill Drill sergeant? sergeant. He's like their drill sergeant. He tells them when to get up, when to go to bed, what they're doing next, you know, drop and give me 20, that kind of stuff. Uh, And I enjoy him. He says you must work as a team, and a line I enjoyed, I will personally neuter you if you are found in the other uh, sex's um, private areas. That came out way worse than it meant to. Let me rephrase that. 
I mean, that's that's effectively what he said. Yeah. But he was he, he was like, there's there's showers for there's showers for both sexes. Yep. If you're found in the opposite one, because this book was written in the fucking 1950s and filmed in 2013. Yep. I will personally neuter you. Just made me laugh. Made me laugh out loud. Yeah. Okay, so now they're in class, and it looks like just a standard lecture area where they show a video of the final decisive battle uh, from the before times. We get our legendary hero, uh, whose name I've already forgotten. Mazer Rackham. Mazer Rackham, thank you. And we see the same video that we saw before of his little fighter giant fighter jet flying up into a mothership. All the kids cheer. Someone stands up. They are round of applauding this video. They must have seen... 80,000 times. Oh, yeah. There's there's no way that they don't fucking watch that video at the beginning of every class for, like, years yeah. on Earth. Yeah. It's... I won't lie. Oh, Mazer Rackham, this name that I wrote down right here. Yeah. Um, also not how you spell it, but good try. I tried. I uh-huh. did my best. Uh, yeah, so that was odd. But it's really showing how indoctrinated these kids are in exactly what the adults are telling them. Oh, yeah. And they are in. They are fucking card-carrying members. Yes. To the end of the line. Um, So then the next day, they're going to introduce the kids to their zero-G environment. This big glass bubble that I mentioned. It looks like a a greenhouse, kind of, insofar as it's, I guess, it's just a big glass bubble. And it's got floating blocks. Yep. Yep. And the kids are going to go in. uh, Each group is is uh segmented into armies they call them and the armies battle and there's winners and there's losers and you do it in this zero g area hey neil hey emily i have several questions i have several responses not necessarily answers i'll take what i can get Mm -hmm. number one what do you think this glass is made out of um I mean, best guess, probably, like, plexiglass. Oh, is that strong enough to withstand the vacuum of... I mean, we've got fucking bulletproof glass. Fair play. You got me there. Yeah. Why is it glass? This is, I didn't ask you this question, but, like, why is it glass? Just because it's cool looking? Like, are you asking why what makes a glass a glass, or why is it transparent? Why did they choose to make this room transparent? Or to make it look cool? Yeah. It's not in the books. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Um, how strong would this glass, plexiglass most likely, need to be, uh, to be designed like this, to be a big ball? How strong would those panes need to be? I'm actually not worried about the panes themselves. Okay. I'm pretty sure that you could just either, like, multi-layer it or, like, design a, a kind of, like, plastic or, or plexiglass that would do that. We have, there, there are, like, windows on the fucking space station. Fair play. Like... We, we got that. What I'm more worried about is the fact that every single one of those panes of glass is somehow painstakingly sealed and connected to some kind of large steel frame. Yeah, it's uh, lots of interconnecting pieces. There are so many places where any of that seal could go wrong. And then the whole thing is fucked and you got... Fucking 40 dead kids floating in a glass bubble in space. If not more, because probably all of the rest of the station would be affected as well, right? Well, yeah. They usually seal the doors at some point, Mm. but... Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Yeah, that's uh, not ideal. No. 
Definitely not. Um, okay, so let's say only some of the laws of physics apply. Yeah. Just blanket statement. Uh-huh. Some things are going to be fine. How would you personally go about creating a room of zero G? We kind of see how they did it, which uh-huh. was a neat idea. Yeah. The spinning on the end in the middle of stationary. Yep. Is that how you would do it? Is that the yeah, most I effective would, way? I would put it in space. You would put the whole thing in space. I put, uh, yep. What do you think the guns are shooting? Is oh, it... you haven't talked about that yet. Oh. Oh, because we haven't even brought up the fact that... Okay, so the kids are wearing these suits. Yes. They're very flexible until they are shot with these guns that they all have. Yep. And when the laser, I'm going to call it, but I don't think it's an actual laser, but when the laser hits a part of the suit... It locks up. It freezes. You cannot move anymore. Yep. Um, and uh, there's a point system where if you hit an arm, it's one point, a torso, it's five, or something something along those lines, where there's points that are counted in these uh, war games that they do. These guns, like, how... I'm just curious about, like, the interaction of this fabric, which locks up and becomes yeah. very rigid when it's struck by... Light, yeah. I think it is. Is that yeah. kind of what you're seeing? I mean, the way that I would, if I were going to try and build something like this, the way that I would do it is I would find a fabric that when it is charged, when you when you run some sort of either small electric current or an electric potential across it, it like constricts and like can no longer move. Like in Batman Begins. I'll take your word for it. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Um, and the way that it probably works is that there's a visible component of the laser that they shoot, but most likely what is happening is that there is a, like a radio signal that is also being shot and the suit receives the radio signal and then part of the suit freezes up because like it, it it received a signal and then some amount of electricity was pumped into that part of the suit, causing it to constrict and... And uh, cause effectively temporary paralysis. And uh, fun fact, in the book, the process of being paralyzed is described as being extremely uncomfortable. Oh. Because the suit constricts so much that you cannot move. Oh. Yeah, that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. Whereas here, it looks like it just becomes rigid. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, is, interesting. I, yeah, that is not quite the case. It does become rigid in the book, but it, it also constricts quite a bit to prevent any uh, movement, any any further like movement inside the suit. Do you think you would be in according to the science of the book? Would you be able to pull a trigger while frozen, which they do in the movie? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Oh, that's good. They they do that in the book too. All right. Um. Cool. So he he kind of makes a, a kind of friend with this kid named Bean. Yep. In this scene. It's his first, like, yeah, kind of friend. And they shoot each other in the leg and they're having a lot of fun. They explain the game that I mentioned earlier. Graf says that they're going to promote someone from within this team into one of the higher groups, the grown-up groups. They're not, like, grown-up, but they're older. Um, And he says, everyone here is your enemy. If you want to move on, everyone's your enemy. And Ender Wigan being a little saucy bitch... As Graf is walking out, he says, Sir, is our email being blocked? Sir! In so many words. Oh, I, this scene is stupid. 
I mean, a lot of these scenes are stupid. Yeah. And Graf says, why, yes, in fact, he's a lot angrier than I'm going to say, but he says, why, yes, in fact, it is. Because I don't trust your thoughts. You get privacy of your own internal thoughts, but no one else gets to hear them. Um, and Ender's very upset because he's been writing to his sister, who is, you know, his confidant. And she helps him a lot. And he loves his sister very much. And then they have this kind of funny scene with um, Ender and Sergeant Dapp, where Sergeant Dapp makes drops makes him drop and give him 20 because he's being a little sassy pants. And I don't know. Ender's just... Uh, and then he says something additional. Well, no, no, no. This is actually kind of a... This, this is, is important. This is slightly important because after the first 20, Ender's, Ender like says something along the lines of like, you know, someday you will salute me. Yes. And, and, and Dap is like, I will never fucking salute you. Give me 20 more. Yep. And Ender like does 20 more push-ups. And then five minutes goes by <laughs> and then Dap salutes him. It wasn't five minutes, but it... Sure it, felt like it. It felt like it in from our perspective of the movie. In their timeline, maybe a couple months. I truly have no idea what the timeline is in this movie. Couldn't I don't, tell you. I also don't know what the timeline is in this movie. I, I, I know, know what the timeline should have been. Should have been. I know time passes. Yeah. I have no idea how much. Um, it could be a couple weeks. It could be a couple months. It's not a couple years because Asa looks like he is a skeleton. The entire time. Also, I didn't complain about this earlier, but I, I, I mentioned in our first episode that I'm going to watch this on HBO Max, right? Uh-huh. There is something fucked up about the either the ratio or the perspective of the, the print that they put, that they digitized. It Everyone is super stretched out. When they did close-ups, they cut off their bottom lip. It Weird. was so... So distracting. That's, in so much of this. That's gnarly. So, I rented it on the tubes of you. And, and it looked uh, fine. It they looked great. like normal people. Just looked regular. Because he looked like the Slender Man. Like, he no. looked like a skinny... I mean, he 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 looks he looks like someone who is growing into a body that they... Don't know what to do with. Don't know what to do with. That's right. as As most, you know, teenagers do, in fact, look. Yeah. Yeah. Especially around the age of 13. I so. mean, your body's doing a lot of shit. It's doing some whack stuff. It doesn't know <clears throat> what's going on. Okay, um, but by the end of this push-up scene, the group that Graf was trying to isolate Ender from, they're all looking to him as the leader. Now, they look at him and he's like, you heard the man, go to sleep, or something along those lines. Like, he's stepping into the role of, at least in this group, being the leader. So that's exciting. Then the next day in class, uh, they're explaining about slingshotting around a planet, and one of the guys in the group is being kind of a bully. He's making fun of the kid that's explaining it, and Ender makes fun of that kid and forms a friendship. Hey, Neil. Hey, what's up? I got a science question for you. Uh-huh. Because we've talked about this before, as I just said. Uh-huh. In three sentences or less. Yeah. Can you explain why we slingshot around um, planets and why it's beneficial? Uh, sure. Let's start with how it happens. Grand. You I'm got, counting, you by got, the way. Oh, shit. <laughs> All right. Well, then I'll just read what I wrote. Point the ship so it will pass near a planet, but not hit it, and fire thrusters to get up to speed. Okay. Sentence number one. Turn off the thrusters. Wait until the gravity of the planet tries to pull you in. Sentence number two. If you're going the right speed, the planet 
won't successfully pull you in, and you will shoot off in a different direction and speed. Excellent. So now continue on what you were actually going to say. Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you just, you, you pick the right speed, you go at the planet, the planet has a lot of gravity, you swoop around the backside of the planet, and sometimes... Getting faster as you go, possibly? Sometimes, if you change, if you change the radius of your orbit during the, during the pass around the planet, you can come out going quite a bit faster mm-hmm. and it's uh, like a hard left turn it's sure kind of go faster and you're turning at the same time it's a little different but it's kind of the same idea okay and like it, it's it's a very useful thing we literally do this with like satellites and things all the time oh yeah around earth well, no no like to get Other planets. to get elsewhere like gotcha. a lot of times like what we'll do is we'll like Send something to, like, Mars, and then we'll, like, slingshot around Mars, and then we'll, like, go towards, like, Jupiter or Saturn, and then we'll either slingshot around the planet itself or one of its moons, depending on what the mission is, and then you go somewhere else, and you... And, like, it's it's a great way to, like, change change speed and, and sometimes gain a lot of uh, a, a speed and change your direction without wasting fuel. Nice. Okay. Because you only have so much of it. Yeah. And you don't need fuel in space if you're already moving, because there's nothing that's going to stop you, right? Uh, yeah, unless you run into something, but that doesn't happen very often. Not very so. often, because space is quite large. Yeah, it's also not very dense. Also, there's only four atoms per meter. Per cubic meter. Cubic meter. Mm-hmm. Even better. Did you have anything to add to that? Nope. That's all I got. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, there was a very funny line in that scene that I forgot to mention that, again, made me laugh out. It's got a couple... Zinners. Uh, zingers. Fuck me. Couple sinners. Couple sinners. The teacher said, come on, kids. This is basic rocket science. <laughs> that was a good line. I I know you think that's, like, funny. That's cute. It's, it's... Is it? Unfortunately, rocket science, in terms of relative difficulty of sciences... Is basic? Is actually fairly straightforward. <sighs> It is, in fact, something way harder, like helicopter aerodynamics. That is very hard. Oh shit! So when I when I say something about this, like I usually don't say, "Oh, it's just fucking it's rocket science." Like I'm usually like, "It's either brain surgery or helicopter aerodynamics." Pick helicopter <laughs> aerodynamics. I never would have thought, but that makes total sense. Oh yeah, you wanna you wanna try and figure out how air moves around a helicopter? It doesn't go very well. I'm fucking positive i'm yeah. pretty sure helicopters are magic yeah honestly they might be jesus especially when uh you get a helicopter to match up with a frame rate of camera and it looks oh, like yeah, it's not it's moving like... at all <laughs> dude that's so fucking cool i love that i love it so much and the nyquist effect exactly um okay so after ender kind of puts the bully in his place all the kids in the group sit with him at lunch instead of the bully so again he's stepping into his leadership role oh we should we should say that there was an exchange between Ender and the bully in class yes. during the this basic rocket science. Yes, the the bully was making fun of the kid who was talking. Ender made fun of the bully, and he's like, "How about you don't be a dick?" In so many words. Yeah, and oh. and then the bully's like, "Hey, man, who the fuck said that?" And the teacher's like, "If you can't dish, if you can't take it, don't dish it." I like that teacher. Which was which was great. That's good. It's good, I, it's I good like shit. That teacher. Um, so that night, Ender plays a game on his iPad. Yeah, the fantasy game. The fantasy game. 
which was, there's a lot of games in my house. Uh-huh. I've never seen a game like this. No, probably not. Probably not. And I don't know. I had, it was very, supposed to be cartoony CG. Yes. It was just, there was something weird about it. There's something weird about the game. I know uh-huh. it's supposed to be unsettling. I know that's the whole point, but yeah. there's something weird about the game. So this game, I'm just going to get into it. It's it's a mouse. You are a mouse versus an ogre. Yep. What you say? The ogre has two chalices, both with bubbling green liquid. He says one's poison and one's not. Choose which one is correct and you get to go to this, you know, fairy castle or whatever. Fairyland. Fairyland. And, but one's poison. If you jump in, you're going to die. So. Uh, inconceivable is what I wrote down. Yes. Uh, because it's exactly, it's exactly that. One's poison, one's not. Gotta switch around. But, he, Andrew doesn't even do that. So he jumps into one cup and dies. He's like, yep. oh, that's interesting. He jumps into the other cup. He dies. And, and at, during this time, we see Anderson, uh, and Graf, they're talking, sh- and she says... I gave him this because I need to see his state of mind. I need to see what he's going through. And Graf well, says, I don't care about his state of mind. Yeah, so just a little bit of context there. You aren't supposed to have access to the fantasy game until you are older and no longer just like a, a fuzzy recruit. Oh. And so she specifically unblocks the game on his device. So she can like see Because him. she is worried about him. I mean, Yeah. This is also something that was not in the book. Oh, interesting. Oh, yes. Interesting. Anderson is not nearly so empathetic. She's very, I, I wouldn't say loving, but yes, empathetic in this. She cares about Ender a lot. A lot. And I'm sure kids as a whole, but she very much cares about Ender. Um, so, he again, Ender has tried jumping into both cups and neither has worked. This next time, instead of jumping into a cup, he jumps into the ogre's eyeball and kills him. And his friend's like, why did you do that? He goes, well, that's what they want. They want us to choose violence whenever given a chance or something along those lines. And I think my issue with that is, like, if it's programmed in such a way as to not allow that, it wouldn't happen. That's, I think that's my issue. That is not how it worked. Yeah. What happened? What did I what did I miss? Like you you are assuming that the game is programmed to have fixed outcomes. Yes. Which is false. It's false? It is false. Oh. <coughs> the game creates things based on your interaction with the game. Oh. It learns your psych profile and then will do different things in the game based on how you react to it. That is some incredible programming. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, super futuristic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ender is actually the first one to ever, quote unquote, beat Do that. The, beat that part of the game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then the next part of the game, the computer had no idea what it was doing. What was doing happening, yeah. Because no one had ever made it there before, so it just invented Fairyland for Ender. As it happened. Well, and we come to find out... Uh, I get, no, that was in his dreams. That was not in the game. No, it wasn't Never in the mind. game. That was in the game. It sure was. That his, that uh, the Formic was in the game? Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought that was just in the dreams. Grand. We'll get to it. Don't worry, folks. Okay. Um, so, next day, Ender is promoted. He's going to go into a grown-up... Grown-up. I keep saying grown-up. They're still kids. They're all kids. They're all kids trying to kill other kids. 
Uh, but he's gonna go into I think it's the salamander team, sure and is. Uh, they're being they're being kids playing baseball in the hall, and then we meet the commander of this group, who's again a kid, and I really enjoyed this actor. He oh, was yeah. great. I was like, I know your face. Why do I know your face? Motherfucker was in Hannah Montana. Love sure that. was. Um, and his name is Moises Arias. I looked through the rest of his IMDb, and I uh, couldn't find... Where's my mouse? I couldn't find anything else I recognized, but... That kid. Yep. Um, but Hannah Montana I've seen, so that was probably it. Um, so, he is just a little spitfire, this oh, yeah, he sucks. Bonzo. He's a dick. He tells he's angry and he's in control. Very, <clears throat> which is not a stellar like combination. Combo, no, definitely not. No, but he tells Ender, um, I don't want you. I'm gonna get rid of you. I'm you are gonna stay in the back of all of our battles. You're not gonna touch anything, you're not gonna do anything. Don't fuck up. Because we have an unblemished record. And if you destroy that, or if you do anything to harm that, I will fucking kill you. He is going through therapy, and it's going really well. Bonzo's really come a long way. Ha ha. Ha ha. It's not true. Um, also, I was just noting that uh, Ender is exactly as tall as all of the other much older kids. He's so tall. He's so tall. Um, and skinny. So, the only girl in this army, her name is Petra, uh, she says, I'll teach you how to operate in the battle room, because otherwise you're going to be totally useless. She's very nice. And they go to the battle room, and the amount of CG is just, it's staggering. I, yeah, I tuned out, actually, for most of these scenes. It's, because you can't focus on anything. Yeah, it's I think I went too and much. food. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um... And and so she tosses out. It's kind of like Luke in um in the unnamed space opera. He's got the helmet on and he's got his uh, laser sword and the little thing that's shooting at him. And he's trying to block. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Using 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 whatever his senses are. Exactly. To block the he's using lasers. his midi chlorians to block these lasers. Um, <sighs> powerhouse oh. of the cell. And the midi chlorians is the powerhouse of the. Fuck you. <laughs> Oh, God. It's <laughs> distracting. Okay. Um, moral of the story is, Ender can hit targets. She teaches him how to use the gun and the zero-G effectively to hit his target. And they have some very uncomfortable flirt talk. Like, they're not good at talking to each other, and they're supposed to be flirting, and I dislike it. I mean, I think that's extremely realistic. Probably. This is a pair of a pair of children who were raised in like strategy school she... to be like literal geniuses, not to communicate with other people. No. Did not have a lot of interaction with others, and most of their interaction with others has been competitions based around seeing either who is smarter or who is better at strategy. Yeah. And well I think my issue is that she looks like she's 16, 17, and he definitely looks is, like he is yeah. 13. Yeah, yeah. And they're like <laughs> Yeah, which is You can't see folks at home, you can't see Yeah. the hand motions that are yeah, happening, but, but this it's, is like an 8th grader and a 10th grader. 
uh, it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, it was. That's uh. that's fair. So they they get back to the bunk and fucking Bonzo. Also, his name is fucking Bonzo. I definitely wrote Balto for most of my notes. Again, that's had to go excellent. back and fix it. Love that. But Bonzo. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Yeah. This this character is incredibly racist. Good. Yeah. This this is supposed to be a bad person. No, 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 no. Like, not the character itself is racist. This character oh, is a racist caric- caricature oh. of a group of people who are known to or, or, or have a stereotype about being Spitfires. Oh! Yes. Well, that's not cool. No, it's really bad, actually. No, that's not cool. No, bad. yeah, yeah. Orson Scott Card kind of sucks. Kind of an asshole. Yeah. Goddamn. If you can... If you have to buy his books, buy them used. So he does not get any profit. That is a great recommendation. Check him out from the fucking library. Yeah. He doesn't get anything from that anymore. Anyway, neither here nor there. No, that's very much here. It's very much here. It's very much an issue, especially with what's going on right now in yeah, uh, L.A., the city council. Oh, yeah, big, I have. Big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big bad. Everything is the worst, and we don't deserve this planet. Watch it burn. But, <laughs> right. But... Um, so Bonzo is fucking angry. He's like, I told you, you couldn't even practice. And Ender's like, can we step outside for a hot minute? You fucking dick. He's like, free time is free time. How about you sit the fuck down, mother? He doesn't say any of this, but he's thinking it very loudly. And I'm translating for him. Um, and he explains why him being absolutely useless in the... Ender does. Ender does. Sorry. Ender explains to Bonzo why him being absolutely useless in, I keep wanting to call it the danger zone. That's not what it's called. The battle room. Yeah. Um, I prefer the danger zone. Honestly? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) He explains why him being useless in the danger zone is completely against Bonzo's better interests. He wants to go to command school. So you- And get rid of Ender. And get rid of Ender. You can't trade him if he doesn't know how to do anything. No one's going to take him. So let him practice on his free time. It's fucking free time anyway. Calm the fuck down. And tomorrow, say you change your mind. You look like a benevolent god to your people. It will endear them to you. So Ender's thinking, man. He's already- He's so smart. He's you He's got see, all the- You can see the cogs just- Exactly. Meshing. Exactly. Uh, so the next morning, they're going to a battle room, and Bonzo's like, all right, Ender, I'm a benevolent god. You can join us, but don't fuck up. Um, and it's great. And this battle between these two groups is just CG gore. It is just... Well, yeah, it's not It's not literal gore. No, no, it's just CG. It's just like, C- it's, it's like CG porn. Yes, but the opposite. It's not... It's not bad, I guess, but it's just so much that, again, you can't focus on anything. You have no idea what's going on because they all, the color scheme is all the same, basically. It's a dark red and a dark green. Yep. And so if you're fucking colorblind, good the fuck luck. Yeah, also the whole room is just gray. The whole room is gray against the space sky, which is dark blue at best, but it looks just black. Yep. I don't like it. I did, it, it, it's interesting to see the way Ender's mind works, but I don't. I didn't like this scene. And fucking all of a sudden, so I'm going to back up. The salamanders are against the wall. Shit's going down. People are, people are 
you know, getting frozen left and right, and you need, you're trying to get someone from your group unharmed, unfrozen into the other group's gate, right? And you can, and again, there's the point system where if you hit someone else on the other team, arm, torso, you get X number of points. But if you get someone into the other person's gate, you win no matter what. Um, so they're trying to do that. Salamanders, it's not working out. People are scattered. And Ender goes to help Petra. And they're being flirty again. And I, I underlined and I bold it and I don't like it. But they're being flirty. And she says, all right, as long as you're here. Fucking go save the day, in so many words. So Ender literally does. All of a sudden, he's an expert marksman. He hits everyone he shoots at. Oh, well, 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 just to be clear, it was not necessarily that Ender wasn't an expert marksman during training. It was just that he did not understand the timing and operation of the weapon. Okay. This is supposed to be portrayed as part of his unerring genius. <clears throat> and it's done very poorly. Yes, it is. He saves the day. And people compliment Bonzo. Like, that was a great fucking play you did. I'm really impressed. And Bonzo's like, motherfucker! In so many words. Um, he threatens to kill Ender. If you ever do something like that again, I will kill you. And I believe him. He's, again, a very good actor. I believe him. Um, so that night, Ender's playing the mouse game again, right? And he has beaten the ogre. So now, the, like Neil said, the game is creating Fairyland. And there's a castle in the background. And then there's leaves around. And the leaves become a moth made of leaves is how I interpreted it. Do you agree? It's a formic queen, but yes. But no one knows that yet, yeah, Neil. You're not, you're not really sure, but you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. For a fucking 10-year-old movie. It's it's the Form of Queen. a 50-year-old book, but yeah. Details, right? Um, but, so this there's this moth, and then the moth turns into his sister, uh, Valentine. A weird CG version. The CG, is just, the choices made yeah. are just interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, the castle, when you're inside the castle, is incredibly realistic and detailed. But the quote-unquote characters, like the mouse... And Ender, when he turns, in, turns into Ender. And Valentine, when she's there, it's very cartoony. It's just interesting. I don't think I like it. But that's fine. I don't have to like it. I'm not the target market. All of a sudden, bombs start raining down from the sky. The castle crumbles. And Valentine runs towards it. And he follows Valentine. Um, so he goes into this castle. And there's this big room with, you know, a, a pathway. And in the middle is a big black ball with golden rings? Yeah. About that? Um, and his sister is inside the big black wall. And all of a sudden, a, a long runner rug turns into a snake. And he fights the snake. And then his brother shows up. And there's a lot going on. Yeah. His, and his brother says something to the effect of, um, you're, you're a failure? Or it should have been me, I think. Or you're just like me. Yes, you're just like me. That's what it was. Um, Graf is super pissed. He's like, that. none of this was supposed to be in the game. Anderson explains exactly what Neil explains to me, that the game adapts based on what is happening in the mindset of the child. And she doesn't know how they got there either. So that's super fucking weird. 
But then Graf finds out, like, 30 seconds later, uh-oh, a Formic fleet is on its way. It'll be here in 30 days. Dun, dun, dun! That's unfortunate. Um, so Graf gives Ender his own army, and he had a very funny line saying, uh, it's the, we decommissioned this team years ago. Because they never won. Because they never won. He's like, well, why not change the name? He goes, well, we already had the uniforms, which I feel that. I feel that deeply. Um, it's going to be a team of misfits. It's going to be kind of random people assigned, but it all turns out to be friends of Ender's. Um, so that worked out well. And they're doing well. They're winning games. They're moving up the ranks. Then all of a sudden, they have to battle two teams at once. Graf's being a little bitch, but Ender can take it because Ender can do anything. Um, so they, and then Petra and one of the other nice guys from the Salamander team join the Dragon team. So I bet you Bonzo, super not pleased because I think he also has the Hoss for Petra. Is that in the book? Is that canon? Don't remember if that part is canon. I think it does. That's my head canon. Sounds good to me. Um, so they, the two of them, it is very smart because uh, when the suits lock up, you still have use of your hands. So even if you're frozen, you can still keep shooting. So they kind of bundle together the two of them into a ball and they launch out into the zero G and they're shooting all the kids that are around the entrance who are going to take out everyone as they were uh, entering the field. Yeah. Very also, smart. fun fact, uh, they're, the, the two people go out. Um, chest to chest. Yes, they do. Be- because uh, a shot to the chest is worth so many more points. Oh, that's so smart. See, mm-hmm. Ender, he's really thinking. Yeah, he he's... It's a contingency plan. He's not sure if he can get someone through the gate. Right. So but if he can... So he wants to mitigate the number of points that the other team can even score to begin with. Absolutely. Which is why he only sends out two people. That makes sense. So then, they tie a string around his friend mm-hmm. Bean... They throw him out, and they use the string to, like, uh, circle him around the room and pull him back so he can get a lay of the land, see where everyone else is, and report back. Um, So then, they make a box of people, is how I'm going to choose to describe this. Someone's hiding on the inside, and everyone else is surrounding them because they need one person completely unblemished, unfrozen. It's like a phalanx, like, turtle formation. Yes, exactly. With someone on the inside. And, motherfucker, if they don't win, they beat both teams because Ender's such a good leader, and no one has any hard feelings, and the battle is won, and then credits roll, and that was the end of the movie. Nice try. That's not how it happened. No. I'm sorry, folks. It's actually so much worse. Oh, yeah, big time. Bonzo finds him in the showers. Why is he showering so late at night? Who's to say? Why is he alone? Also, who's to say? Maybe he's jerking off. He needs some privacy. Who's to say? But Bonzo comes in. And, um, we, sorry, I wrote down, Asa is so skinny. He is breathtakingly skinny in this scene without his shirt on. He's just a toothpick with tissue paper over him. He's yeah. so skinny. He needs to eat something. But, um, they fight. And he's very clever in the way that he fights Bonzo, and he uses hot water, he uses things around him to defeat him, and he kicks Bonzo back, and he, Bonzo falls, hits his head on a ledge of the shower, and is decommissioned. Like, yes, preventing all other fights, but Ender is clearly like, fuck, fuck, that was too much. Oh no, he's gonna die. He 
is so good in this next scene where he's crying and he's angry at the same time. Oh, it's very good. It's a good scene between him and Graf. Yeah. Um, Fun fact in the in the book, um, Bonzo just dies. No. Yeah, they don't they don't see him go into surgery. Graf doesn't assure him that he's fine. They're like, yeah, you iced him. You sure the fuck did. He's gone. Was it also in the shower? Uh, yeah, it was also in the shower. Yeah. But um, there were some differences in the scene. Doesn't really matter. I accept. Um, so Ender says, I want to go on the ship with Bonzo back to Earth. I need to talk to my sister. If you, Graf, do not grant me that permission, I will quit and I will go back anyway. And Graf is like, absolutely not. I'm in charge. You can't do that. And Ender's like, fucking watch me, motherfucker. In so many words. Yeah. And, and he quits. And he quits. And then we find out 30 seconds later, Anderson also quit because she's just so disgusted with how Ender and the other children are being treated. And um, she says, Graf, you don't see them as children. And Graf has a great fucking line. Like, it's heartbreaking, but it's really good. Uh, something along the lines of when the war is over, we can, we can debate the ethics of what we're doing to these kids. And I'm like, that has absolutely been said in rooms on this planet. As we speak. Um, so then we're back on Earth. Graf brings Valentine, Valentine to a cabin by the lake and enters there. And he brings her out on the lake so they can have some privacy and talk. And sh he says the same line that we saw earlier where um, the only way you can beat someone is to understand them. And once you understand them, you have no choice but to love them. Uh, something along those lines. And she tells him that if he doesn't try this new command school, everything might be lost. Everyone might die, and then it doesn't matter if he hides in this, you know, lake house. Which I get. She, Abigail Breslin, she's great. I was very impressed with her. Um, but so he's, he goes back to Graf. He's like, fine, let's go to command school. They get in the shuttle. Surprise! We are not going to command school. We are going to an advanced command base. Um, it's if he is successful at this command base, he will be commanding the entire invasion fleet in the battle, final battle against the uh, Formix. <laughs> Excuse me. Neil, I had a science question for you. Okay. So, to get to this far-flung command base yeah. way the fuck out, uh -huh. they are attaching their spaceship to a much larger transport ship, would sure. you agree? Yeah. Um... Now that I know that deep space is not more pressurized than deep ocean. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah, that I yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah. My question makes more sense, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. What are your thoughts on the ship that we saw? Could it survive in deep space? Could it get people like it looks like it's very or we see the passage of time. Hard quotes around that where we just see uh space flying past the camera. So Perchance, this ship is actually a lot faster than it looks. I don't know. What are your thoughts on this ship? It's probably traveling roughly near the speed of light. That's how? so fast. Yeah, it's it's big. I don't know how it takes so much energy to get something that big moving that fast. Right. Even in a vacuum. Where <clears throat> even in a vacuum. Stopped. Yeah. Even in a vacuum. It takes a lot of a lot of fuel, a lot of like more efficient fuel than we fucking have. And uh, a long time, actually, if you if you're only using traditional like thrust methods, um, so they probably have some sort of advanced technology to get them going fast. 
Magic technology. Yeah, yeah. magic technology. Um, and uh, yeah, seems otherwise seems fine. Okay, good deal. I yep. accept. Um, he they go into a hypersleep because, like Neil said, it takes a long time, no matter where the fuck you're going. Yeah, I mean, even if you're traveling at the speed of light, like the universe is a big place. Yes. And it brought me back to, I have no idea what the timeline of this film is. Yeah. I have no no fucking clue. Nope. No one ages. Nothing changes. I don't know what's happening. So, they're on an alien planet. Ooh. Is sorry. it not alien? Nope. Uh, it is alien. Okay. Sorry, I just saw something in the next scene that you... Incorrect? Yeah. Excellent. Ooh, that's exciting. Um, good, good, good. Okay. Is it New Zealand and not Australian? It is okay. New Zealand okay. and not I, Australian. I couldn't tell... So subtle. It, see, the, the the problem is the context clues of his dad was Maori. Maori. Cause I, it's, yeah, because Aboriginal is uh, in Australia. Maori is New Zealand. You're correct. Anywho, so we'll get there in four bullet points. But they're on an alien planet. They have a base uh, that was formerly occupied by Formix and is a really neat design. It's like... Um, very, uh, the, the, all the buildings that they have have, like, natural walls that look kind of like skeletons and yeah. rock at the same time. It's yeah. really cool design. I'll give it to them. Um, and they're going to invade the Formic planet to end all future battles. Cool. Great. That's been a theme in this movie. Um, Ender wakes up. Oh, shit. There's Ben Kingsley. I had literally just written in the shower scene. I'm like, have we seen Ben Kingsley and I just missed it? No. Nope. No, you have not. Yeah. Um, he grapples Ender to the bed. He's like, we are, I'm your enemy. He has a great fucking accent. So it's he not does. Australian. It's not Australian. It's New Zealand. It is New Zealand. It's such a good accent because he's British. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I love Ben Kingsley. He's such a good actor. He does this accent great. He does being a fucking badass great. He does just having the barest shred of empathy. He can show it just on his face while he's still doing horrific things. I love him so much. I am truly most impressed by this accent. It's really impressive. As not a New Zealander, maybe it's shit. I don't know. It sounded good to me. And that's all I got. Um, Neil. Book, yes. Book question for you. Uh -huh. oh, we find out. Here's the thing. Here's where my question stems from. We find out Ben Kingsley... Beautiful New Zealand accent that he is, is Mazer Rackham. Yep. Okay, so timeline. Timeline. Formix invaded 50 years ago. Or they sure Formix did. were defeated 50 years ago yeah. by Mazer Rackham. By, by Mazer Rackham. In a, in a jet plane, yes. I would say, best case scenario, Mazer Rackham is 65, appears to be 65 in this film. Oh, I would bet he's even younger than that yeah, he, in appearance. I would bet he's in his, like, late 40s to mid 50s. Yeah, he does not look to be old enough. <clears throat> no. And that is what we were talking about in the science corner. Exactly. Of, please explain words. So, what happens is that after, after he defeats the Formix on Earth, they're like, hey... You are a very valuable tactician and saw something that no nobody else literally saw. We are going to preserve your knowledge by you are going to teach the next generation if they if they are deemed smart enough. And like but when you're not teaching, you will spend your time traveling near the speed of light so that 
your reference frame is much slower relative to the rest of Earth so that you don't age as quickly so that your knowledge and your experience and skill and all that stay around for as long as possible. That's what it was. He's yes. traveling when yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not on this planet. He, yeah, yeah, when he is not, when he is not fucking okay. teaching somebody, they put him on a fucking ship, they put him to sleep, and they send him out into fucking space. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yep. In, like, as much sense as it can make when I haven't done, uh, you know, ten years of schooling. Yep. But that makes way more sense. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay, okay, I accept. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly... Pretty good strategy yeah. for this, other than, like, the fact that, like, his knowledge probably gets outdated pretty quickly. So he has to either, during travel, be like, but they do have instantaneous communication. Yep. So either during travel he has to, like, brush up on strategy that they have used and didn't work, or he effectively just has to come back and then, like, info dump for, Load up. you know... A, a month mm-hmm. or longer. Mm. But, like, mm. I don't know. Like, I don't know exactly don't how really that works. They don't really explain. <clears throat> Did no. they explain him being traveling in the no, movie? No, they leave it out. Oh, okay. So I'm not an idiot. For no, 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 no. Mazer Rackham shows up, and you are supposed to be confused about how and why he is there. Bless. Okay. I won't lie. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you mentioned that he's a brilliant tactician. What he noticed in that final battle was that the Formic. Fighting fighter ships were congregating around a specific mothership. And he was like, you know, I wonder what the fuck would happen if I destroyed that ship. So he ejected out of his fighter plane. The The plane went into the ship that we saw in the video. The mothership did uh, completely break apart, like we said. And then all the Formic fighters froze in air and then fell out of the sky. So we're thinking now, they are thinking... That the formics act kind of like ants, where there's a queen and and a hive mind. And if you get rid of the queen, if you get rid of the hive mind, the workers will not know what to do and they will die. So that's where we're at now. Mm -hmm. So in the simulation room, hey, look, all his friends are back. They seem to know things that they explain to him how things work. I'm like, how the fuck long have you been here? Well, yeah, I think what I think the timeline is that like. When Ender goes back to Earth, they round up all the kids that they're like, hey, y'all seem to know what the fuck you're doing, and they ship them off. Okay, so they've been here potentially longer than Ender. Oh, I would bet that they've been there months longer than Ender. Okay, good. I accept that. They say, they kind of explain that the Formic have too much population for their planet, and their military is expanding exponentially, and that it's only a matter of time before the Formics attack Earth again. Um, we need to defeat them before they try and colonize. And they will do quote-unquote photo-real simulations to prepare for battle. What that means is that is basically 365-degree screens that they will have uh, video game battles defeating or fighting the, the Formics and hopefully defeating them. And it's all, it's going to look super real, but don't worry, everybody. It's not. It's a game. It's a game. Hey, Neil, do you remember what the tagline for this movie is? This is not a game. This is not a game. Okay. 
So they explain they have this secret weapon, I'm going to call yep. it, uh, called the MD-500. It is, quote unquote, $70 billion of pure destruction. Yeah. That's also, a lot of dollars. Uh, the, the reason they call it the Little Doctor is yes. because of the fact that it is titled MD-500. MD. Yeah. And you are dissecting people molecularly. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. still super fucked up. Mm -hmm. That's all right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is a kid's movie. Yeah. Well. Eh, PG-13. Oh. That's pretty heavy for a kid. Yeah. But it's also like a young adult novel, right? Like, I wouldn't call Ender's Game an adult, a grown-up book. Right? It's written in a way that young people can I Yeah. I guess it. I did first read it when I was quite young. I think I read it in middle school. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that a lot of it is lost on, yeah. on people kids. that age. Like, I, it is readable and there's, like, a fun story that, like, goes with it. But, like, I don't think you quite understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah. The movie hits the gravity real hard. Uh, so. Yeah. Which, Yeah. We'll talk about it. We don't really need to go into The Little Doctor anymore because you covered it in the science corner. I did. It's fairly unrealistic. And, yeah. Yeah, I think just briefly what it does is that when this giant fucking gun is fired, it will tear apart. Uh, it'll cause a chain reaction which tears living beings apart mo molecule by molecule. Is that pretty close? Yep. Yep. And it's not realistic and that's okay. So, they're simulating battles all the fucking time. They win some, they lose some, the kids are burning out, and and um, we can see, and maybe there's more in the books, but we can see that there's some tension between Graf and Mazer, which was, I was like, oh, tell me more. Are you, are you two, did you used to date? Are you broken up? Like, why are you, what's this tension? I want to know all the things. Um, but we reach graduation day. The kids are tired. The kids have, you know, the battles that they lost hurt more than the battles that they won. But this is it. If they win, Ender is going to be commander of all invasion things. He's yep. just going to be in charge of the invasion when the invasion happens. So they are going to the home planet of the Formics with a massive formic fleet just waiting on the outside of the planet. In they're the just simulation. In the yeah. simulation. They're waiting. And they're like, oh shit! Wasn't expecting that. Really thought you guys would be on the planet. So, that's unfortunate. And then Bean, Bean's in the group, Bean says to Ender, the enemy's gate is down. Which is supposed to be a harken back to in training school when... There's no gravity. It doesn't matter which way you are. Every way is down. Every way is up. There is no up or down. They didn't really do that in the movie. I remember that line from the book. The movie does not do the enemy gate is down. And that bothered me. It's confusing. They, they did it once. Once. Not enough. Well, they, well they, I guess they did it technically twice. They did it once here to harken back to, to training school. Yeah. And there was one scene in training school where he and Ender are chatting outside the gate and they're like, well, I mean, there's no gravity in there. And so I think Ender's just like, all right, well, then for just the convenience sake, the enemy's gate will be down. And, and then, like, it never gets touched again. They needed to hit it harder. Oh, big time. They needed to have way more weight for this line 
to mean fucking anything. Yeah, also, just a little bit of context. Ender is just, like, standing here, like, freaking out, kind of, just, like, frozen. Because, Mm -hmm. like, the simulation isn't doing what he thought it would. Like, there's no, like... The, 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 like, formics aren't attacking, like, he wasn't just thrown waiting. into the beginning of a battle, like, it's literally just, like, this odd standoff, and he's, like, kind of freaking out, because he knows it's graduation day. Yep. So. Yep. Bean um, is like, hey, man, like, time to get going, the enemy's gate is down. He's like, oh, yeah, I can do this, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. So, what they're gonna do is draw out a giant swarm from these, um, ships and they're going to get the fighters out so they can use the the little doctor. They do that. Giant swarm comes out. They fire. And it evaporates everything on the screen. It is breathtaking. Yeah. Horrifying. Then, then the planet does not like that. Doesn't like being sh- fired upon in well, such a way. The rest of the Formic fleet is like... Oh, shit. How about you don't do that again? Mm-hmm. They're coming for the the invasion fleet. Um, Specifically, the little doctor. Exactly. So what they're going to do is... So they've got the little doctor. They've got um, transport vehicles, would you call them? Yep. Yep, transport, giant transport vehicles. And then a shit ton of fighters. Of little, you know, fighter pilots. And what they're going to do is encircle the little doctor with the fighter pilots in a circular motion uh, to protect the little doctor as it charges up for another shot, for another attack. They're going to move towards the planet and fire on the planet and stop all future fights. That's the hope. That's the goal. Um, it's it's cool looking. It. I will say that this scene, I was... Again, I was very young when I read it, but I couldn't quite picture what they were describing, and this scene did help. Is it close? For for which part? For um the protecting the little doctor yes. with Okay, cool. Yes. This the scene did help me be like, "Oh, that's what they were going for." Okay, that makes mm-hmm. more sense. So they're moving towards the planet. The fighters are getting pelted the transport ships are gone they are destroyed yeah ender effectively was like oh fuck yeah we're gonna sacrifice i didn't realize like what else the planet fucking had like like fuck the rest of the fleet we get one one more shot yes everything everything depends on one more shot from the little doctor right and so they're going to do every put everything they have into protecting it. And they're moving in, they, like, move so far to the planet that they're in the atmosphere, they say. They're going yep. to use the fighters as a heat shield. And I'm going to come back to my questions at the very end. But basically, the fighters are heat shielding Little Doctor. They blast a, a, an opening so that the it can fire onto the planet it does so. It fires onto the planet. An eruption happens. The entire planet just burns alive. Hey, Neil. Hey, what's up? I have a science question for you. I got several science answers for you. Fantastic. So, what would happen to a planet if a ship the size of the Little Doctor, which is not little, it's massive. It's huge. It's huge. What would happen if that ship entered the atmosphere at the speed that they were going? So, what would happen to the planet or what would happen to the ship? 
Whichever one you wrote down first. Okay, well, I think I wrote down whatever happens to the planet, which would be, I mean, there would probably be like a huge, like, shock wave generated by entering the atmosphere like that. That kind of ship isn't typically, like, meant to be in an atmosphere at all. Typically, that, that a ship that big would be constructed in space. Right. So, as soon as it enters the atmosphere, or as soon as it honestly even enters, like, too much gravitational pull, like, too close to the planet because it's, like, going nose down, it would probably just get, like, torn apart. Or, and then just, like, disintegrate in the atmosphere. Even if it had little fighters protecting it? Well, so the gravitational forces part, the, the fighters can't... Can't help with. Can't do anything with. Right. Like, it, it, the ship might just literally experience tidal forces so large that it gets ripped apart. Mm-hmm. The drones, like, could they be used as, like, a heat shield? The answer is kind of yes, right? Like, like it's the idea of, like, drafting in, like, NASCAR. Right? Like, there's a there's a lead car that breaks the, like, like thickness of the air, causes there to be, like, a turbulent area of air... And all of the other cars will, like, sit in this turbulent, uh, like, less density air space. Like geese? Like, much like geese. Okay. Because it it conserves energy and fuel for the cars or for the geese. It's actually, it actually makes flying easier. You have to expend less energy to to fly at the same speed, which is why they rotate through the leader, uh, like, Flying V's of geese, like the, the the there's not always just the same goose in the lead. They they switch it up because that goose gets tired. For sure, breaking breaking trail. Or like, let's say you're going out like snowshoeing, right? And it's just like a, a big yep. fresh powder fall, right? And it's like three feet deep. Well, you put someone you know in front who's like got a lot of stamina, and they like break a trail for you. It's the same concept. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that would absolutely work. Like, if you if you had enough of them and you shaped it right, like, you could definitely ease the impact that this ship would have into the atmosphere. Would you be able to use them as a heat shield necessarily? Kind of. Like, the ship is still going very fast, and it is still encountering an atmosphere. But the ones on the outside are breaking up a lot of the, like, resistance of the atmosphere... By, like, disturbing it and, like, pushing it outward. So it is, like, having an easier time. And it won't get as hot. But the drones will all just, like, melt and disintegrate. Okay. Nice. Well, yeah. that's kind of exciting. Yeah, it was actually a fairly realistic idea. Mm-hmm. Again, it was very CG underscore gore. Yes. Too much going on. Hard to focus, but... It was, I don't know, it bothered me less than in the battle school for some reason. Yeah, know. probably because there's, like, there's a lot of things happening. Like, there's so many objects on screen, but you know which one you're supposed to pay attention to. That's fair. That's super fair. Because it's not people. It's just one big spaceship. And you're like, I see big spaceship. I can follow that. Yeah. I know that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, final science question then. Yeah, yeah. They, they fire at the planet. The uh-huh. planet's completely destroyed. Yeah, so yeah. we have talked in the past about yeah. what it would take to shatter a planet with a laser. Yes. What would it take to laser beam a planet just so it burns alive so nothing may ever grow again? Okay. So there, there there's kind of two aspects to this question. The first is... 
I'm going to account for the fact that there are probably a lot of different kinds of life forms that we haven't encountered. The surface of the planet, like, hard to know how deep these ant tunnels go, that kind of thing, right? So what we see when they fire on the planet, it looks like when you light um, cottonwood fluff on yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, and it just kind of like burns just outward and around the planet. Gently. Like it's yeah, gentle yeah. from way the fuck back. I'm sure it's horrific. Oh, I'm when sure you're there. it's, yeah, I'm sure it's just fucking screaming on the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did a little estimate mm. and I said, let's go a little overkill. To guarantee that you kill everything that could live on the surface of this planet, or even, for the most part, underneath the surface of the planet. A good way to guarantee that that would happen is that you turn all of the atmosphere into a plasma. Ooh, yes. Yeah. So, the way that you do that, at least in for most ideal gases, is you just get them hot enough. Okay. So that all of the electrons that are around your nucleus just wander off. They've got so much free energy that they can just take a hike. And they do. Uh, matter of fact, the sun is mostly plasma. Excellent. Okay. A miasma of incandescent plasma. There's a song with a line just like that. I That's yes. where I took it from. Yes. Um, okay, so our atmosphere is mostly nitrogen. So if you wanted to take our atmosphere and turn it into a plasma, take a wild stab at how hot it needs to get. A billion degrees. Oh, that's way too much. Oh, a million degrees. That's relatively close. Okay. Is it higher or lower? It's a little lower. All right, let me give you one more. Um, 800,000 degrees. He's still a little high. Ah! It would, it's uh, 313,474.73 degrees Fahrenheit. All right, so it wasn't as far off as I thought. No, I'll yeah, yeah. It. It was, I told you it was just a little lower. That's so hot, though. It's so hot. Oh, my God. Okay, this is literally hotter than the surface of the sun. What's the surface of the sun? Like 2,000 Kelvin or something Fuck. like that. Okay. To turn the entire, ap well, to turn, like, to turn nitrogen into plasma, you need something that's like 174,000 Kelvin. Kelvin is a much easier scale to use. It's the one that zero means absolute zero. Yep. Okay. Just for a little quick reference, let's go check what the... Temperature of the surface of the sun. Yeah, 5,000 Kelvin. It's not very hot. Well. I mean, relative to us, it's... Relative, it's, yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you want to turn an entire, like... You, you need know. a lot more to turn oh, our yeah, yeah. atmosphere into a plasma. Okay, so... And we're... Should we, for the sake of argument, say that this planet probably has our atmosphere? I mean, it's got to be relatively close. If they're going to colonize bet that Earth... It's, yeah, I would bet that it's mostly something like nitrogen. Yeah, okay. Cool, cool, cool. I'm in. Um, so the mass of... So there's just like a formula for this that you can calculate how much energy does it take to take some kind of material change it by a certain amount of uh, degrees, and how much of the material do you have? Okay. Okay, so you just multiply all these things together. Uh, one of them that you need is the mass of the atmosphere. It turns out the mass of our atmosphere is like 5 times 10 to the 18 kilograms, 
which is uh, a million trillion kilograms. Fuck, dude. That's so... Wow. A million trillion? A million trillion kilograms, yeah. Does that have a name? Uh, yeah. Quadrillion is 15, so it's a, a pentillion. Pentillion kilograms. Yeah. That's or I think there's amazing. a, there's a, it's like yoctograms or something like that is the, or yoctokilograms would be the, there's like a term that's like, you know how you have like gigabytes, yep. like terabytes, petabytes, yep. exabytes, and then it's like, uh, there's, there's like two more that they have after that. They go up to like 10 to the 18 and 10 to the minus 18. Holy shit. Yeah. Um, okay. So the specific heat is a property of most things, which describes how much energy you can store in something per kilogram per temperature. Okay. So if you have an object that has a certain mass and that object has a certain temperature, then there is a certain amount of energy that it can hold. Grand. I'm in. Cool. So the uh, amount of energy you would need to take the atmosphere from its current temperature, which is roughly 300 Kelvin. It's probably a little cooler than that on average. To 174,408 Kelvin is about 10 to the 29 joules. And I had to fudge this a little bit because the specific heat, which is how much energy something can hold, changes as you get hotter. It actually goes down. So it takes more energy to get hotter, it the takes, hotter it gets? Yes. Oh. It's, it's like, what's the best way to describe it? Um, it's like stuffing cotton balls into a bag. Okay. You, at, at first, you nice stuff, you, the cotton balls go in real easy, right? Yeah. But like eventually you get to a point where you're like, I know that more cotton balls can fit into the bag, but I'm going to have to start working to put this, put the cotton balls into the bag. I'm sure. going to have to start compressing them. I'm going to have to start moving shit out of the way, like finding some creative way to get them in there. Right? Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, and so I generously fudged the number by a factor of 100 up. Okay. I accept. Seemed mostly reasonable. I think I'm in the right ballpark. It turns out that this actually is not much less it's only like a thousand times less energy than you need to actually shatter the planet oh shit it's so close but you're directing the energies into completely different things okay shattering the planet you need to direct that energy into like the core of the planet very pointedly very pointedly this amount of energy you just need to get it into the atmosphere somehow and eventually the entire atmosphere will hopefully equalize at roughly 174,000 Kelvin, Mm -hmm. and you'll have just this enormous ball of plasma that used to be a planet and no longer contains living things. And after the atmosphere has been turned into a plasma, does it burn off? Is there no atmosphere afterwards? Does it cool down again? Is this a bigger question? It's kind of a bigger question. I'm not entirely positive, but what I think would happen is that... The atmosphere would be so energetic that it would probably just strip itself away from the planet despite its gravitational pull. Because, like, 
a lot of what actually keeps the atmosphere here is that one, like there is some mass to it, but two, it sticks to other bits of itself. Like the air is like, it's all hanging out together. It clumps together Mm. and it, it is like a fluid, but a plasma is not like a fluid unless you have a lot of it together very densely, like in a star. Mm-hmm. I don't think a planet is big enough uh, to be able to hold all that plasma near it's itself. It's just got too much going on. It's going too fast and it shoots the fuck out. Yeah. it okay. would. So most of the atmosphere would be like most of the physical nuclei that made up the atmosphere would probably just take a hike. So then anything that wasn't burned alive when the atmosphere was turned when into a plasma. When it sufficiently cooled and was able to collect enough, it would probably form some really weird shit as it cooled. Because mm-hmm. all of, like, there'd be a weird amount of electrons just floating around. Like, the atmosphere would probably get really charged. There'd be a lot of lightning. Um, it'd be, it'd be really a frightening hellscape, honestly. Not um, great. And then what's left wouldn't probably be breathable, nor would it be dense enough to be atmosphere anyway. So they definitely won, is what oh, I'm Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, big time. If you did this to a planet, you win. Yeah, no future battles for you. Mm-mm. Thank you very much. That is horrifying in the... Most interesting kind of way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so back to the movie. They they've got the video feeds. The it cuts out as uh, after the shot, and they see that the earth, the earth, they see that the planet is burning alive. Yeah, Ender turns around to like the 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 fucking crew of you know admirals and whoever the are watching of the, the pro- of the galaxy. Yeah, someone whoever the fuck is there like you know Graf is there yeah. and Anderson is there. He effectively pulls a like are you not entertained? That's literally my exact thought. Are yeah. you not entertained? He might as well have been flipping the bird be like how's that motherfuckers? Yeah. Um, and all the adults are like, oh, and they turn and they huddle their rah, 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 watermelon, watermelon. They're, they're mumbling together. And Ender's like, the fuck is going on? They're acting really weird. And then the screens come back up and it's still the burning planet. It's still the destroyed ships floating off into nothingness. Oh, it's yeah. Ender does not horrifying. understand either. He's like, why is this in the simulation? Yeah, why didn't the simulation reset? The fuck is wrong with you guys? You're very bad at your jobs. Then, come to find out, it wasn't a simulation. These were real people. Were they drones or were they real people? There were real people not piloting the drones. Because they were drone ships. But, but all of the big, like, all the transport carriers, some of the larger, like, uh, ships that they had that were, like, support for the fleet did Real all people. have people yeah. in them. So Ender is freaking the fuck out. He's like, oh, shit, I literally just committed genocide. All of these people that were out there, they're all dead. Yeah. Oh, my God. Specifically... He committed xenocide. Xenocide, that's true. Because it wasn't, they're not It was an alien species. One more thing you got wrong, Ender. Yep. Disappointed. They didn't get it wrong in in the books, though. Oh, they said xenocide in the books, but not in the movie? Yeah, because there's a a book called Xenocide that is part of the Ender's Game series. Why not put it in the, whatever, I'm not going to get into it. 
So because people don't know what fucking xenocide is, that's not a word that no, everyone recognizes. We know recognizes. what genocide is. We know what fratricide is. We know what patricide is. Infanticide. I, I, I guess. Do I, listen, do I watch too much uh, true crime? Is yeah. that my problem? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we don't know what all that. Is. I mean, like I personally also know what all of those is because I'm fine with my Greek roots <laughs> or my my Latin root words, but like I don't. I don't know if the general public would they, be like, xenocide means, like, a complete extermination of the other. Uh-huh. Which, uh, I guess I wouldn't have known that until now, too. I assumed it was alien genocide, but... I mean, yeah, xeno Z- just means, like, other or outside or extra. Oh! It doesn't technically mean alien, it is it is an interpretation of the word or a, like a, a good synonym for how it would have probably colloquially been used. There you go. But now it that. yeah, now it specifically re- I mean like that was the, the original and the denotation. Yeah, yeah, that was the original Latin. Nowadays it is used specifically to mean aliens. Aliens. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Cool. So yeah, Enter's having a panic attack cuz he committed xenocide. And uh, Graf is like, you did it. You are a good person. You, you did what won. we made you They'll to do. They'll remember you as a hero. They'll remember me as a killer. It's true. It's true. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. They do, actually, in fact. Remember he, him he as a killer. As, remember him as a killer in, yeah. the, in the books. Because he makes a very good point. Like, the Formics were not attacking. They didn't yeah. attack at all over the previous 50 years. Like, there's no saying that they would have done it again. We literally went to their house and burned it down without them coming out and fighting. Like, that's not cool. Don't like that. Yeah. Oh, so they they knock him out. They inject him with something. They knock him out. And he has the dream about the moth of leaves that we, Neil knows, but the rest of us don't know that it's a foreign queen. And he wakes up in a fervor, and he runs out on the planet's surface, and he says that the Formix accessed the game he was playing, trying to communicate with him. He was, they're trying to reach out and say, we're not gonna hurt you, sorry about that, before that was an accident. I'm assuming, I'm putting words on their mouth, but... So he's gonna go off and try and find them. He goes to a nearby rock grouping. It looks like it's nearby. It could be a million miles away. It's hard to tell on the planet because I don't know what the scale is. But he goes to a nearby rock grouping. And he finds a giant underground room that looks exactly like the throne room in the castle that uh, of the game he was playing. And it's got a big formation in the center right where the big black ball with the gold rings was. And he goes inside of it. Um, and it it's a... I'm going to say a staircase, but it goes down. It's a tunnel that goes down deep into the earth. And there's a what appears to be a table with growths on it. And a formic emerges from the shadows. And she's a queen. And she's white. And she's beautiful. She looks exactly like the moth made of leaves. And she threatens to kill him. She puts a, a stinger to his neck. She's like, I can fucking do it. I can fucking do it. And she's like, I couldn't. I wouldn't do that. I'm a nice person. Again, I'm putting words in her mouth, but I think this is what she was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, you're dying, because she, she looks a little rough. One of the rocks on the table is actually an egg. Most likely, it is a queen egg. Ender says he's going to find a new home for this egg. He shoots himself off into space, 
Um, yeah, uh, like flash cut. Flash cut. With a little bit of over narrative, effectively. Ender uh, explains like- He's an admiral. After after like defeating the Formix, he was given the title of admiral and then just left to his own devices. Which is definitely not how the military works. They keep an eye on you. But oh, that's neither yeah. here nor there. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then he is- He's just like, and that suits me because I'm fucking out of here. Fuck all that noise. I'm going to save the Formix, the race that he absolutely just obliterated. Not really on accident, because he. what would he have done if it was a simulation? And he's like, all right, I'm in charge now. Am I not going to go destroy the Formix? Like, I don't, I don't entirely know what, I mean, it's, who's to say? It is what it is, but... And then the credits. And then that's the end of the and movie. And then credits. Yeah, it's a very abrupt ending, actually. But it went longer, it went farther than I thought. Because that last bit in the rocks, I don't believe is in the first book. Is it? Fuck, I need to read this book again, apparently. I have zero memory of that. It, in my head, it ends, like, immediately after the battle. So, great. Good to know. There, there is a, it's, it's a sort of prologue, effectively, mm. where they explain, like, kind of, what Ender gets up to after after the final Prologue battle. Or epilogue. Ep- sorry, epilogue. Okay, cool. No, yeah. that's fine. Um, where they explain like a little bit like what he gets up to, and then anyway, this is where like this is where like the book and the movie vastly differ. Okay, 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 okay. Which brings me to my next question. Yes. Um, which isn't a science question; it's a book question because you're my resident uh, uh, genius and knowledge. Have her? Sure. Words are hard. I'm not going to even try anymore. Where did the movie and the books most diverge? Like, was there one or two spots where you're like, hold the fuck on? So, like, the on-Earth stuff, actually mostly accurate. Like, the scene with his, like, at the beginning of the movie, where, like, he's, like, if in school, that kind of shit. Yeah, good. Uh, the scene where he goes back to Earth and, like, hangs out with, uh, Valentine again, or Violet? Valentine. 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 Also accurate. Like, that happens in the book and is good. I think one of the biggest differences is this, like, the timeline. You get a much better feel for the fact that this happens over the course of seven years. And... I don't... don't, You you might... You probably didn't catch it, but there is a scene in the movie where... Uh, Mazer is explaining, like, why he has all these yes. face tattoos, and he explains, like, you know, it's because my, my dad was Maori, and, like, it's a way for me to effectively, like, speak on behalf of the dead, you know, speak for the dead, is what he says. Yeah. And... And that's the name of one of the books. That it? is the name of the second book. It okay. is Speaker for the Dead. Yep. And effectively, Ender, after the, after the Formix, after he kills them all, he anonymously publishes a book where he he speaks on behalf of the Formix who no longer exist. Mm-hmm. And this actually starts effectively a new religion. Oh, shit. Of, like, a, a way that, that humans everywhere honor people who die is that you hire someone who is a speaker for the dead and they will come to the funeral, like you know, oftentimes ahead of time and get to know the people there, get to know who this person was. And then, you know, write what is effectively like, you know, a very beautiful eulogy for, for these people. And so that is like, 
after this, after all of this shit happens, that is what he does to make money in the future effectively, even though he doesn't need it, Hmm. is that he just speaks on behalf of people who no longer have a voice um, because they have died, Uh, which is like cool. All right, back to where the books and the movies most diverge. Timeline in Battle School especially. There is so much more that they left out of the Battle School. Like, the shit with, like, being in the rope, they do that for, like, many scenes. Like, many fights. Like, Bean has a rope. Like, other people on the team start bringing in rope. They use it to, like do all kinds of really wild shenanigans mid-fight to, like, completely change their direction. The rope actually is, like, so small often that it's not visible to the other team. So they don't know what's going on. So they don't know. Like, they just suddenly see someone, like, jerk out of the way, like, to the sideways. Like, they're like, how the fuck did you do that in space? Um, It's it's really cool. Like, all, all, all the... Also, the shenanigans that uh, Graf pulls against Ender for the game is, like, way different. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he has them, like, fighting multiple teams at a time in the movie. That's just, like, a joke <laughs> in the book. Like, he's like, yeah, you gotta fight two teams at once. Like Suck it up. Like, there are times when, like... He enters the, like, any like anytime his team enters the battlefield, they enter stunned. No, hey! Yeah. Like, there are, there are like, like, there's, thing, there's times when, like, none of their guns work. There's times when, like, like, they show up and the team has been there for a while. Like, they, they there are all kinds of different shenanigans. They change the rules of the game, even, in some instances. And... Actually, what causes in the in the books, what causes Anderson to, like, tentatively resign is how much he disagrees with Graf about how Graf is changing the game. Not Ender. It's the game. Yeah, yeah. It is. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Graf is a very different, uh, not Graf. Anderson is a very different character in the books. Well, you just said it was a he. Yeah, yeah, he. All right. Yeah, in the books, it's he. And... Anderson is, like, a real philosophical purist. Like, loves the game that they play for the fact that it is the game and the strategy and, like, how well it is designed. Loves, actually, the fact that Ender eats the eyes out of the fucking ogre because he hated the fact that this, like, non-choice was even real. And he's like, fuck yeah, Ender, way to beat the shit that's dumb. Like, this shouldn't be in here in the first place. He is not an empathetic woman Mm -hmm. who is, you know, caring for Ender and what is happening to him and what will happen to the other children. He, He doesn't give a shit. Let's see, what else, what else did I have? Um, oh, the timeline for killing the giant, he doesn't do it immediately. Oh, yeah, because it was instant in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, He does it for, like, he does it for, like, he, he, he plays the game for a long time, like, consistently hitting this point in the game. Because, like, there's supposed to be a lot of the game before you get to the giant. Oh! And he, like, consistently gets to the giant and just fucking dies every time because he's, like, I don't like I don't know what to do. Like I'm am I just going to get lucky one time and pick the right thing and then there's one time where he's like no, fuck it. There's no choice to be made and he just kills the giant. And the game is like Oh shit. Fairyland. Here you go. Yeah. 
And then, oh, so the Hive Queens do, in fact, influence the game. Uh, and subcon- so in the books, the way that it works is that they subconsciously implant in Ender the idea that he should, like, go to a formic uh, colonized world at some point in his life. Uh, this happens after, like, in the pro in the epilogue, mm-hmm. uh, after he has annihilated them, and they just leave, they just leave a queen cocoon there. There's no so, queen that he meets who like guides him okay. and like is like, this is a queen, take care of her. Like he just finds it after the fact, once he's roaming around in the universe. Fucking, and he's like, like, oh look, redemption. Well, well, kinda, yeah. He like. He, like, goes to the planet because he, like, wanted to get a... He's, like, in the process of writing the book, Speaker for the Dead. And, like, he goes to the planet to, like, get a better sense of, like, who the Formics were. Uh, And they, like, that's where he finds the queen. Also, fun fact, the influence of the Hive Queen on the game and how they influence the game... Do you care about spoilers for, for further books? Okay. Is how the being that is known as Jane is actually created... Uh, Jane is a, for those of you who, uh, are interested in spoilers for following books, I'm going to go into a lot of them for a moment here. Of, if you haven't already noticed. If you're not interested, I would skip forward oh, maybe yeah. five minutes. Yeah, maybe. Um, but so, uh, Jane is like this sentient, um, completely, uh, like in the Ansible, like the Ansible, like communication lines that like traverse the galaxy she is like a sentient creature that is formed from this tangle of webs because the formics have like like there is a there is sentience is like a real concept like a physical concept in okay. in these series humans are just like when they are born at some point they become sentient and the way that that happens is that there's like this like, there is a call made to the outside, and one of these, like, sentient particles comes in, and, like, it, like you become Implants sentient. Implants in this baby. In, yeah, in, an, in a, like, a toddler. Interesting. And then they become sentient eventually. Queens, in the Formic society, what happens is that, like, when a queen is born, the, the mother of the queen will call down a piece of sentience for the new queen... And if they don't call it down, like, whatever is born will not be, like, sentient in the way that humans are. Oh. Which is why they're the drone culture. It's like, they, they just they just work that way. Um, also, in the book, the Formics never actually attack Earth. They set up a colony inside the solar system. And then the humans go and check out what it is because, like, the planet or, like, the mini planet that they set up on just vanishes for some reason. Whatever they did to the surface of the planet caused it to disappear. Jesus. So they were like, well, we're going to go check that out. Yeah. And then everyone who goes to find like find what happens on that planet just gets killed. Um, and the reason they get killed is because the Formics don't understand that every single human being is sentient in the way that a queen is. Right. And so they don't understand that they are like exterminating all of this potential life. They think that they're just, like, brushing aside some drones that, you know, whatever queen on Earth was like, hey, what the hell are you doing? Like, they were very confused when humans, like, reacted the way that they did to, like, effectively what they do is they go and they destroy that planet, and then they go and they find the 
the Formics and they just so destroy them. So much worse. It's infinitely worse. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so much worse in the books. Ugh. Um, let's see. Yeah, see, what else do I have here? Anderson, Formics never attacked. Ender's drafted into like the first battle school at the age of six, does not like pull the trigger on Xenocide until thirteen. Yeah. And then afterward, like again, it takes him a long time to find the queen. And he, like, goes on to do other things. He eventually changes his name to go by Andrew. Um, and I think he might change his last name a little bit because everyone knows Wigan. Ender Wigan is the fucking murderer. Yeah. And, like... So is it the book that makes turns people against him? Partially. Yeah, partially it is, it is his own, like, writing that effectively makes him out to be, in the history, uh, like a terrible person. I think... Graf should be the terrible person. That's I agree. Just me. Also, uh, Peter goes on to create something called the Hegemon, which is this like awful government structure on Earth, and he effectively becomes dictator. Oh, good. And uh, Valentine, I think, goes and becomes a politician of some kind. But I think she leaves Earth, so she doesn't get yeah. stuck in the uh, hegemony. She's she just, like, goes and she does other things. She's too gentle to be yeah. a politician. At least a politician as we have right now. Uh, yeah. I mean, she she was very good at it, but, like... She's very smart. Very smart. Just also really got sad when she had to make hard decisions. I get that. I yeah. feel that. So, there's quite a few differences. Yep. As we've outlined. Uh-huh. Are there any changes in the movie that you liked? Anything you're like, oh, that's an interesting way to do that? Your silence is deafening. Mm, I guess... I don't know. A l like, a lot of the themes of the book are toned down for the screen because you can't commit violence against a six-year-old. Like... They don't actually supposedly kill Bonzo because Bonzo is also supposedly a minor. Allegedly. Like, you can't be fucking murdering minors on screen. I don't think. I think that's actually illegal. Yeah. Yeah. So not a ton. Mm, no. no. I would say that there is actually none of the changes that they made I liked. I accept. Mm -hmm. I accept. Um, did I? I know this was very exhausting, or an exhaustful. I have fully exhausted all of the story plots that I can think of. Did I miss anything? Mm, not that I know of. Grand. So, Neil. Yes. As far as science goes. Uh-huh. How would you rate this from one little doctor to a burning planet? Oh, geez. Equals five little doctors. Um... Maybe like one and a half little doctors. Oh, that's not terrible. It's not. I mean, it's yeah. actually way better than I thought it was gonna be. Like they they got they got a couple of things like kind of accurate. Honestly, like the the zero G stuff, I didn't think was as bad as people were like. This is terrible. I was like, it's, it's fine. fine. It's believable. I it didn't distract me from the movie. Yeah, and that's a huge a huge point. Also, they had zero G. The fact that they didn't like. Later on in the series, they they have artificial gravity. The fact that they didn't and that they actually had, like, a rotating space station that was, was a, a nice huge, touch. huge uh, a part in their, like, behalf. And then the, like, heat shield idea at the end of the movie is, like, relatively solid. And then the rest of it's just kind of it's fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Um, and as far as the movie, I think I know the answer to this. As far as the movie goes, yeah. Neil, uh-huh. from one burning planet to five burning planets, uh-huh. where would you rank this? Five being good in this sense, not bad. Like a two and a half, oh, maybe a two. That's higher than I thought. Five, yeah, five being good. Well, okay, five so is like good, one is bad. So, so I, I have to, I have to be, I have to be fair to the movie. The movie is not, it's not like a retelling of the book. It's an adaptation. The movie is an adapt, an adapting of the book. It is loosely based on the idea of Ender's Game. Mm-hmm. And when viewed through that light, the only thing that I really didn't like about the movie is like the CG kind of sucked in some spots. The plot itself is a little fast and unstructured because they cut out so much of the book, which just really makes it not a great movie. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a movie. It's a, it's a spectacle. A spect. It's absolutely a spectacle. That's a great term. I, I would say probably I give it a three, three burning planets out of five. Sure. It was fine. Yeah. I don't think anything was special about it. No. I don't think it was especially bad. Yeah. It was goddamn I say it all the time, but top of the bell curve, that was a movie that happened. It was two hours long. That was too long. That movie did not have to be that long. It, especially if they're going to cut out as much as they did. Yeah, I wish they'd I wish they'd cut out different things. Yeah, there are other things that maybe didn't matter quite as much. Yeah. Um. So I think, think that's all I got, Neil. When people are not listening to your dulcet tones Ooh. here... Where can they find you out in the world? Folks, out in the real world, uh, you can, f- or I guess in the digital world, you can find me, uh, you can find me playing Dungeons and Dragons with my friends on uh, uh, a D&D 5e live podcast that we do called uh, Bad Rolls Out. Uh, I think there are 50-ish episodes out now. We're coming into the back half of the campaign. Things are starting to get exciting yeah i think i mentioned in our last episode that bad rolls out on twitter did request a movie of us oh yeah which one was it it was in fact a one minute video of the origins of mermaid man and barnacle boy (laughs) that's amazing yes to which i said maybe bonus content sure not science and it's not in space that's true so we'll get to it We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It'll be fun. Uh, And if you're not listening to me either here or on Bad Rolls Out, you can find me on Instagram, which is pretty much the only social media that I use. Uh, I am at that underscore Higgs underscore guy. H-I-G-G-S. Yeah, send me your science questions. I'd be happy to. I'm happy to answer them. I'm happy to talk about them on the podcast. Uh, They might be more interesting than you think. So ask away. We will make time for them. I think that's such a neat idea. Uh, You can find me. I am on Instagram, but I don't check it. Please don't find me. I am on Twitter. I check that more often. At that girly gal. All one word, all lowercase. And you can find the podcast at sci fi problem podcast. S-C-I-F-I problem P-O-D. That's Instagram and Twitter. We're thinking ahead. If you'd rather email us, you can find us at here's the problem pod at gmail.com. We're also on Letterboxd. It's at 2D Fruity. T-U-D-Y-F-R-U-D-Y. I can't change it yet. It's a lot of work. 
but it is our logo. You can find me. And I do rate and review all of our uh, shit Pewit movies with the shit Pewit hashtag S-H-T-B-P-W-T. Gotta love it. It's my favorite fucking thing. I love it so much. Neil? Emily. When we ask people to rate, review, and subscribe yes. to our podcast, do we do it for our egos, Neil? Maybe a little. No, hey, come. I mean, what? what? Focus, hey, focus. God, God, what? <laughs> do we do it for our egos, Neil? No. Even though it does feel good. It sure does. Neil, why do we ask them to rate, review, and subscribe? For the almighty algorithm. Praise be to the algorithm. Folks, it, while it does feel good for you to give us five stars, it's really just so other people can find us. And we think that would be grand. We think more people hanging out and asking questions, the better. We can teach people. We can learn. All good things. Hell yeah. So, please, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening to us. We appreciate it. You are the best. And Neil. Yes. Is there anything that you would like to say to these fine folks at home who have stuck with us for the last God knows how long? Hooey. Um. Enjoy science, folks. Bye.